Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Imagine surrounding yourself with incredible women. Women who've overcome challenges, they've rebounded after failures and disappointments, and women who are not afraid to shine their brilliance to make a mark in the world. These women support other like-minded women because they know there is plenty of opportunity for everyone and that together we really can make a difference, grow our businesses while have fun along the way. This is what Women in Leadership Podcast is all about. Welcome, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Grab a cover of your favorite beverage, pull up a chair and let's get this conversation started. And welcome to another episode. So my guest today says, in the ever-evolving landscape of entrepreneurship, starting small doesn't mean thinking small. Forge a path towards success by infusing your startup with the wisdom of experienced business practices from strategic planning through to accountability, cultivating a culture that thrives through every season of growth. I love that. And joining me on today's show is Laurie Fisher. She is Call Tracking Metrics COO and co-founder. She is a seasoned leader in technology, marketing and consulting. Her expertise includes driving revenue growth, managing projects and processes and personal now. Now, before her role at Call Tracking Metrics, she co-founded Captico LLC, offering online software solutions. Now, on today's show, she's going to share how confidence is key to leadership, and it's important to be confident in both your strengths and areas where you might lack expertise. She's going to talk about how effective leadership involves thinking beyond the immediate and considering the bigger picture, as well as leaders succeed by achieving results and excelling in their field, not by focusing on gender or identity-related challenges. So welcome to the show, Laurie. Thank you. Happy to be here. I love the quote that uh, my team pulled out. You gave us several, but this one really stood out uh, about if we're starting small, it doesn't mean thinking small. And we gave some uh, aspects of what that means. Is that how you, when you founded uh, your previous business and of course the one that you're in now and you co-founded, is that the principle that you followed? It is. I, you know, I I saw, I had the benefit of seeing this as a consultant in my prior life before working, you know, in tech startups. And so I had the benefit of going into large established, you know, fortune 100 companies and helping them to fix things and to, you know, address issues that have been there in their organization for years. And it's really hard to do that, right? It's really hard to shift things that have been in an organization that's so large and so complex so I had that exposure to think about if you had the you know ability to start from zero, start from literally one employee, what are the things that you want there from the beginning? And you know we we have did things early, like you know we we thought about we literally in our first year you know established a mission statement, and it was you know three of us. <laughs> 
around a room and it felt kind of silly. Like we're all friends and we, we all know what we're doing here, right? We're, you know, why do we need to talk about it, you know, and define what it is that we're doing. But those, those things that we've done since the beginning have been so important for us. And it's really allowed us also, I think, you know, to attract the right type of people to our organization, because a lot of times we are hiring people that are coming from much more, you know, larger, sophisticated companies than where we might be at a certain period in our growth. And they feel comfortable because they say, okay, this company might be small, but they, they, they've got a path here. They know what they're doing. Um, and so, you know, that I think having been a consultant and going in, coming in from the outside and going in was really helpful for me in knowing how to do that. Um, yes. And I also just personally am very, I love process stuff <laughs> that tends to be my wheelhouse. And I, and I love, you know, and I also am very entrenched in our culture and the development of our people. So for me, investing in things like values and making sure that we are a value-driven organization, even from the time where it was just my husband and I, um, when it, it felt silly to have to be talking about that, it was really, really important. And to invest in things that help people ensure that their performance is reviewed fairly, that they're paid fairly, all these kind of basic things that a lot of companies take for granted until they kind of have to deal with it. We tried to do from the very beginning. Yes. One of the things that I love about that, what you're saying is that now we're, when we um, ask consumers uh, and, and, you know, what, what uh, prompted you to invest in a particular product or, or service provider, one of the, the answers that we often hear is, I really um, aligned with their core values, their brand values. And in actual fact, you also hear people talking about, well, I would not invest in that company because they're not aligned with my core values. And I would imagine as the business grew, uh, because you had that in place, you were able to grow a lot faster because you'd taken the time to think about some of those fundamentals that the business can just continue to grow and is often lacking in businesses, as you say, as they do grow. And then they go back and say, hey, we need to circle back and get some of these key things in place. So start with them first, because that's really going to set the direction is what I'm hearing of the overall business as you continue to, to grow. Now, something else that I am sure that you will hear time and time again spoken about especially in in circles of women is around confidence confidence and maybe the lack of confidence but you say confidence is key to leadership and it's important to be confident in both our areas of strength and even areas where we might lack expertise let's pack this apart a little bit how do we do that when we lack expertise and maybe even lack confidence even in areas of strength which we so often can do as women Yes, I, you know, I, I, I've been, I think a lot about this. And I, um, you know, I think it's interesting when you read studies about, you know, why, why do we see this confidence gap between women and men and study after study shows it, um, you know, there's, there's real physical and genetical reasons, right, why people think that maybe women are harder on themselves. I was reading, you know, that we have different parts of our brain that are bigger than men, and they're the parts of the brain that obsess over things and, you know, and really kind of take note of things when they go wrong. And, and scientists kind of think that actually helped us keep us safe over, you know, over <laughs> millions and millions of years, we had to keep the children safe, right? So we needed to really know when things went wrong and be really on the lookout. Well, you translate that into, you know, like a business environment and women, you know, are, they can have the tendency to focus on the, what, what didn't go well, right? And, and, you know, pick it apart, nitpick it, obsess over the details and really be hard on yourself. Um, you know, and I think that it's, I think awareness is half the battle with this is just to know, okay, 
I see myself doing this, right? And I need to address it. And, you know, and to kind of think about the different parts of your brain and to and to develop as strong of a positive kind of little person in your brain as you have as the negative. Um, and I find often I will like I will over time, I have always kind of had this philosophy where I look at my calendar each week. And even when I was just starting in my career, if I looked at it and I th- said to myself, is there something on here that makes me a little nervous that I feel like I'm not I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. And at first that, that was kind of like, oh, you know, yes, there is. I don't know what to do about it. But then it started to become this kind of game to myself where it was like, yeah, okay, that's the thing this week. And that's going to push me. And, and as you start to have wins and you start to, you know, roll through those wins, um, you start to kind of gain that confidence. Cause all these studies say that confidence is something is learned, right? So you can change this, right? You can, if you understand it's part, it's, it's part of you, right. But you can build on it and change it. It's really, it's, it's, you know, it's all in your control. Um, I think also um, I found was very helpful for me is the other areas of my life outside of my business world really helps me with my confidence as well. And I find that I, even things in, in the community, you know, being on boards of local organizations to see, to kind of step out of your business world and go into a different environment and to see how receptive people are to your ideas and, and to the value that you bring to the table that you kind of take for granted when you're around the same people every day who kind of know your industry and they're all experts. And, and in those types of environments, stepping out of it and going into that, you realize, wow, like I actually do, I do have something to bring to the table here, you know? And so I find I, I need to have a very well-rounded kind of, um, group of people that I am interacting with. And even my children, you know, I find my children give me confidence too. So I think sometimes it's also about kind of making sure that you have perspective too, and that you're putting yourself in the right situations where you get to push yourself in different directions, but also kind of have people see you in a different way. Yeah. And I think um, you said surrounding yourself with people like that, um, it, it reinforces, I think, that you know, we don't know everything about everything. However, there are people, especially when we start to grow our team, they can bring areas of expertise to the table that we may not necessarily have. And I would think too, sometimes it's about just knowing something, having a little bit of knowledge and awareness of something will give us the confidence we need, or at least to be able to take that next step. And how often we can have conversations in our own heads that prevent us from even doing that. And as you say, confidence is one of those things that can be learned and grown. And so often we are waiting for the confidence to do something, but you say take whatever you have and then take that step and grow that confidence as um, you continue to grow, which I, I love. Let's talk about effective leadership involves thinking beyond the immediate and considering the bigger picture. Why is this so important? You know, it's um, so it's interesting because at our organization, we are always thinking about this. And I, you know, we're going through an exercise right now. As I was reading through some of these questions, I laughed. I was like, we're right in the middle of some of this right now. We we every three, three, three years or so, we reevaluate our why as an organization. Um, And that's our mission. And we look at, you know, are we articulating why we are doing what we're doing? Um, and you know, that's really, really important because it, it helps you when times are good. It helps you when times are tougher. And it, sometimes, you know, when everything's just rolling along and everything's going great, like people don't really think about like, Oh, why am I doing this? Why do I get out of bed every day? It's just obvious. But then when things get tougher, right. And you're up against challenges 
for everyone to be aligned in an organization around why you're doing what you're doing, it's really important because that's when the wheels kind of start to fall off on things. And if you're not aligned around a why and you don't have values to support that mission, things can really start to go awry. Um, and it's always in the tougher times when I see, you know, that these things start to come up. Um, you know, people have the tendency they can kind of turn in on each other and start kind of nitpicking each other and attacking each other. And it's really, you know, having that that united focus is just so important for an organization, no matter what size it is. And like I said earlier, it may seem like a really silly exercise. I know like we're going through an exercise, um, a, a kind of a playbook that um, Simon Sinek wrote, Find the Why. And it's great. It's just a really great, like any organization could go through this, you know, and he just, they make it really easy, you know, step-by-step step, people to invite to a meeting, how much time to spend on conversations. And it's just that hygiene and and making sure that you're all aligned um, and to make sure, especially the leadership and ever, you know, and everyone else in the organization is on the same page. Because sometimes we'll find that, wait a minute, we've kind of gone in one direction, but everyone else doesn't seem to be on the same page. And so why are, why are we not aligned? Even in a small organization that can yeah, happen. I love that. And, and of course you said that you've, you've come from consulting. So you've had the benefit uh, of being able to, you know, step aside and see things from the bigger picture, but also learn from hindsight and we you did mention too that you love processes yeah. how important do you think it is for any organization no matter what size and, and maybe you have a a, a, a kind of a, a bit of an overview of you know when businesses go through these kind of growth stages not only do we need to go and revisit what is our why to make sure that we're all on the same page but we also need to look at our processes what could stop us from continuing to grow? How important are processes to work alongside a business in any growth stage? I think they're really important at all stages, um, you know, and, and for kind of different reasons. Um, you know, I think consistency is really important. And, and some of that just comes down to human nature. People, you know, they want to know what's expected of them and they want to know how they're being evaluated. Um, they want to know, you know, how they play a role in that bigger picture. And a lot of times you need process to do that. It's my husband and I started this business together and we are, we kind of come at things from an opposite perspective. And he's, he's, he'll be like, why do we need performance reviews? Like, do we even need to do performance reviews? And, you know, we have conversations and debates like that. And it's interesting because, you, you know, you, you realize that, you know, we're dealing with people here that, and everyone wants to, to be able to understand how they fit into the big picture. They want to be able to see that and feel that. And a lot of times you need process to do that. You also need processes to, to keep your customers satisfied, right? Like you can't, as you grow, you can't do have, you know, a thousand customers and kind of do it for the first time every single time. You've got to figure out a process that works and keep replicating it. Um, and also, I mean, you think, you think about all, you know, all the AI and all the innovation that's happening right now, there's so much efficiency that can be gained so that we can continue to pull our people up to focus on the really interesting things. And that's one of the other benefits that process has is it, it's an engine, right? And it, and once it's moving, then the people can continue to elevate up and focus on more interesting things as they grow. And so I found that it's also a really important part of just continuing to kind of develop our people um, so that they never feel bored in the organization. And it's a balance, right? It's definitely a balance. We work with a lot of very technical, creative people. And so you have to give them freedom to kind of do, do what they do, but their, you know, process helps to kind of set those expectations for everybody and be that good kind of structure underneath of it. 
Yes. And I think that what you just shared there too can also be overlaid to systems. We want to have some systems in place, but they need to be so streamlined that they don't become so heavy and laborious that mm-hmm. people get stuck in that system or stuck in the process, as you say, to support them, but give them enough leeway to be creative, if you will. Um, But there is a framework there that everybody continues to work alongside. And when we think from a leadership position, I mean, all of these things we want to to be um, over, if you will, to to have an understanding of. And I love that you've mentioned that you and your husband, who who are both, you know, co-founders of the business, bring from different angles, bring different skill sets, strengths, and so forth. And uh, I love the co- the topic of conversation that we're going to dive into. Leaders succeed by achieving results, excelling in their field, not by focusing on gender or identity related challenges. How often you see headlines and news headlines all talking about identity and gender and all this kind of stuff. And to me, it's like, how many conversations I've had, particularly women such as yourself, who've come from the tech industry, technology, which is a very much um, been in the past a male-dominated uh, industry. And so many of the women say, I never even saw myself as a woman, um, you know, in a male-dominated industry. It was an industry that I loved and I just fit in, you know. So how often does our own mindsets and biases um, can jade, if you will, uh, our, our approach going forward? Let's talk about this. Why should we not be focusing on on that, but rather excelling in our field? How has that helped you? I think so. I think about it from two different perspectives. I think one from an organizational perspective, I do have to think about it a lot and be aware of it because I and more of, of just kind of making sure that as an organization, we're building the type of culture where those types of things don't happen. Because I, I had the benefit of working in a, a line of companies that 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 didn't happen in. And I was, you know, I was very lucky because I know it does happen in a lot of organizations. Um, And so I, you know, from a very early point in our company, you know, we started looking at things like metrics around what percentage, you know, we, we right now sit at around 40% women in our tech company, you know, the industry average is around 30%. So that's pretty good, right? I'd love to be at 50%. That's pretty good. Um, you know, we look at things like promotions, um, you know, so how every year, what percentage of people getting promoted fall into different categories, you know, this year, 50% of our promotions are women, whereas they're only 40% of our employees. So that's great, right? So as a leader, I, I very consciously kind of look at statistics like that and make sure that there's not this unconscious bias growing in our organization. And a lot of times people say, well, how could that happen in your company? Like you run the company, right? Like how could you have a, a culture that doesn't support women? And, you know, I don't know, but <laughs> I want to make sure it doesn't happen in, in our organization, you know, and we, it's, it's especially growing the company from a very small stage, you know, you have to imagine naturally a lot of our initial, especially engineering staff, they were men. Um, and, you know, the easiest way to hire when you're a startup is to hire people's friends and they want to hire be other people like them. And so it all of a sudden is this domino effect of where everybody in the company looks like each other. <laughs> so, yes. so you do have to, from a company perspective, really put things in place. You know, we we uh, kind of make all of our resumes very sanitized. You know, we don't show any of our hiring managers, schools, universities, locations. You know, there's all sorts of things we do to try to remove any unconscious bias from the hiring process and the performance review process. So there's that perspective of it that I, you know, definitely pay a lot of attention to. But from a personal perspective, I think 
um, you know, I think, again, as I had mentioned this earlier, be aware of the things that you know make you you, right? And some of that maybe people might say is because you're a woman, might just be just because it's your personality, right? Um, but don't try to always find, you know, the, oh, that, that's, see, they're doing that because I'm a woman, right? And, you know, because if you if you look for those things, you're you're probably going to find them, but you don't know if that's the reason. And then you've spent all this time thinking about that. And that might not even be the case. So I think it's you know, you got to you've got to um, you know, you got to focus on what you do and do it well and also do something that you love to do. You know, I think that's really important, too, is find something that you really enjoy doing, because then, you know, it's not that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily matter as much. Right. You are doing something you love to do. You're enjoying your day. Um, and you, you know, you, you don't need to worry about why somebody might be saying something to you because, you know, that it shouldn't matter to you. As much. Yes. Let's talk about um, from a business or a company's perspective, some of the things that we may need to be aware of that could be causing some of these um, biases. Uh, you were talking about how 50% currently of promotions, women are being considered for those. What kind of environments and things can we do to support women? Is it even looking at you know, what What sort of um, things do, would w women be requiring uh, to put themselves forward for um, promotions? As an example, and, and I may be right off, so let me know if it is, mm -hmm. you know, if I think back to some of my um, friends and, and even family members, because they still, even though they worked full time, they still had carer roles for their children. So taking on higher roles, if they required more travel and more meetings out of hours and things like that, they would consider that and think, well, I'm not going to put myself forward because that's going to eat into time, you know, away from my family. So are there things like that that we need to consider, you know, the, the, the role, the, the expectations? What other things should we be looking at as organisations to ensure that we have, you know, both men and women putting themselves forward for uh, these these uh, applications? Yeah, it, um, I think one of the important things is to have role models in the organisation where women see other women doing it. Um, you know, because I think that sometimes I think sometimes um, you know the idea of a, you know a role that requires travel or a role that requires someone to work certain hours, they think there's no way I can do that, right? But when you see other women doing it and figuring it out, it, they'll be more apt to connect to those people and say, okay, she's doing it, and I, I see how she's doing it. Um, I think also having a culture where people's, you know, the, the stuff that's going on in their lives outside of work is something that is, is not uncomfortable to talk about, you know, to, you know, to have a culture where it's okay to talk about your kids and talk about, I got to go do soccer at three. So I'm going to come in early, you know, that kind of fluidity and openness, I, I think is really important because it helps you to also kind of understand the person. And what I'm finding more and more in our organization, the men are just, just as much going on in their personal life as the women, you know, they're all coaching yeah. teams, you know, they are running around, they're, they're carrying 50% of it. So that I'm finding more and more that I'm having these same conversations with the men as their roles evolve and they're trying to have to figure out how to juggle all of this. So, yeah. and that, and from a male perspective, you know, we think, oh, as women, oh, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to bring up that, you know, that I might have to leave early. Well, think about from a man's perspective, they, you know, they also are like, oh God, I should I even be bringing this up. I'm, you know, coaching a soccer team. It seems silly. But, you know, to have a, an environment like that where it's okay, right? It's okay that we all have things going on and that makes us all better and, you know, more well-rounded people. So I think having examples, 
having, I think, also mentors for women who are in leadership positions in your organization, people they can talk to and just sometimes they don't want to ask, you know, a question in an interview or ask a question even of their like HR team of, well, would it be okay if I worked a shifted schedule or would it okay be okay if I worked remotely these days? But if they have somebody they can just bounce those ideas off of, um, they'll, you know, they'll get kind of get a better sense of like what the answer might be and how to approach those conversations. So I think that's really important. Um, yes. I've, I've always felt also just flexibility. I, 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 we hire very selectively, you know, we're a lean team. We are, um, you know, we, we only hire people that we feel like are the best. Right. And so I trust our employees, uh, and I, you know, so there's a lot of flexibility that we extend to them because I, you know, I trust them. And so there's this level of trust of, I understand I may only see you for four hours a day, but I know why and I know what everything that you're getting done. So it's just, it's, it's a trust factor um, that, that you, you know, you, you've just got to have in your organization. Yeah. And, and, you know, creating a culture like that, your team uh, values that. And if you feel valued from you know your organization you just want to deliver don't you it's it's yeah. one of those things and have you seen I mean I know you're over in the US and of course we, I'm mm -hmm. here in Australia but I have seen because of the the lockdowns um obviously we've shifted through that now and we're able to learn a lot of lessons and insights from that I have seen a lot of companies now recognizing that there can be benefits to having team work from home part of the time, um, not necessarily being in the office from a certain set time to a set time and still be just as productive. Are you seeing that that's also uh, happening over in the US and even ar around the world that organisations are seeing that, hey, we can just uh, achieve um, the performance levels even more so when people do work from home because there's not that added pressure of I have to be in the office, you know, at a certain time. Yes, definitely. And I, you know, we've, we've landed on a, you know, we think hybrid works best for our organization. We, um, our employees come in three days a week um, and then they, they work from home the other two days a week. And I think definitely, yes, there's a level of productivity that you gain when you don't have, you know, the people around you physically, you're not dealing with a commute and having to get out of the house and everything. You can get a lot done. I think what we found is our in our organization is that the interpersonal is so important in what we do because we're a very fluid, creative, fast-moving organization. We can get through so much more all being together in one place and just bouncing things off, which which takes a lot longer when people are kind of all over the the world at home. Um, so it, what we've tried to do is structure our week in our company around that. So, you know, what what should people be doing on a Monday or Friday versus what should they be doing on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday when we're all here um, and really taking advantage of that time when, when people are together in person to have those more organic conversations and then get like all your work done, all the other kind of busy work stuff you got to get done that you can just crank through by yourself, get that done, you know, on the days that you're home. I, we found that that's a really nice balance and, and it's people really appreciate it as well because it just really helps with work-life balance. We have some people who love to come into the office and they want to come in every day and that's great, right? But I think also that trust factor, again, of letting people decide, 
yeah, you know, yeah, I do want to come in every day or, you know, I'm good with three days and I'm just going to do that. So it was interesting when we first brought people back because there was definitely a hesitancy, you know, it, it was like, oh, I'm comfortable in this now. I'm home. And, and you know, I, I saw, I, you know, I just remember the first days when people were all back in the office. It was just so wonderful seeing everybody, you know, having those like bump ins and learning about things around the coffee, you know, machine. It's just, you can't recreate that, you know, over a Zoom. And I, you know, yeah, I, I read, I know a lot of organizations are still kind of going through this and going through to, you know, how to do this, right? Um, we, we, and I think it was good. We addressed it really quickly. We, we yes. were fully remote for not very long. And we decided, you know, as soon as we felt like it was safe, let's get back in a few days. And I think it was really good that we did. Well, it sounds like you, um, you also respected the team by having them share their input and we've got some conversations from uh, Dr. Zonzi McLaurin there so she's, she's agreeing as well high performers need flexibility and autonomy and Laurie we can really see that coming through in your organization too and she's saying that she too loves the hybrid model and offer that to her staff and she's seen greater engagement and performance um, which obviously you have too. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about the company, give you an opportunity, call tracking metrics. Um, what are they? How can, uh, your, how can your company help other leaders who may be listening and watching uh, this interview? Yeah. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, so call tracking metrics is conversation intelligence software. So we help businesses look at all of the conversations happening across their business with their customers. So whether that be over the phone, over forms, chats, text messages, all those interactions or conversations that are happening looking at data around them to look at uh, how did those conversations start? Did they come from an advertising campaign or a marketing campaign? Did they come from a place on the web? Did they come from an ad? And then figuring out what actually happens in the conversations, right? So how did the conversations go? What were the key things that happened in the conversation? And ultimately, did it convert or did it go well? Did it lead to an outcome that you were looking for? So it's, it's a great way, and especially when you're talking about COVID, so many companies, I'm sure in Australia, it was the same way. So many companies for the first time had to figure out, uh, ever, no one's here in the office anymore. They can't use those phones that were on our, all over our desks. How are they going to interact with our customers? How are we going to take phone calls? And so our software provides all of that communication technology. So a soft phone, you know, that runs through your computer, um, all the text messaging that runs through the same system, it's all integrated. So it's this very integrated conversation tool for businesses. A lot of our customers are... Um, businesses that have very high value interactions. So you think about like um, a, um, a doctor's office or perhaps even like a car dealer or an attorney, a lawyer, some people who are selling very high value services where every single interaction is worth thousands of dollars, right? And so those interactions need to really be handled perfectly and really need to go well. We also have a lot of customers in the healthcare space where similarly for a lot of reasons, those, those interactions need to be handled very, very well and are very, very expensive. Um, to obtain, but there's a lot of revenue potential in them. So that tends to be the profile. Um, we, have, we work with a lot of marketing agencies as well who are who are running these campaigns for businesses. Wow. I mean, just to, I'd imagine the uh, data that is able to be co collected um, can really provide some incredible, you know, the leadership uh, decision-making um, and the, the direction on which way to go through just looking at the, the overall um, information that, that is collected that way. And how could people get in contact with you if they want to find out more and how this may be able to be leveraged within their business? 
So um, the best way I would say is to go to our website. It's calltrackingmetrics.com. There's a lot of information there. Um, you can get in touch with our sales team there. We have our, our online chat <laughs> right on there on the website. Um, so uh, I would definitely go there. Um, I think in terms of um, you know people within companies who are thinking about how would we get started with a service like this, oftentimes we end up working with whoever's managing the marketing campaigns for a company or whoever's managing the sales teams. Um, usually those are our two kind of primary points of contact within an organization. Um, so either one of them would be good fits to reach out to us um, and, and to kind of learn more about the software. Um, what we ideally love to see is when all of those those departments are working together on one, one platform like ours, because then they can share that data all across kind of the sales life cycle. Um, and so oftentimes it'll start with either the marketing or the sales team though. Um, and all size businesses as well. And we offer services all around the world. We have offer services in Australia. We have um, tele, uh, carrier coverage all around the world. So we offer phone numbers in all the different countries. Yeah, fantastic. Sounds so wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing um, more around the area that you spoke about today too. And it really, I, I love those conversations because, especially if we're able to, to speak with the, the founders or co-founders, because you're the voice of the company and, um, you know, and, and how you do business. And so, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor speaking with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Nice to meet you. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why. I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.